Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast, part of the Pro Sports Assembly, hashtag Power of Pro Sports series, uh, here with my co-host, Kareen Million, and our esteemed guest today, and Matt Lawson, uh, VP of Partnerships at NASCAR, and Chris Ebersol from the NBA. Um, excited to talk about kind of their respective parts of the, the pro sports industry, um, their roles, their journeys. Uh, and we'll we'll get to it in terms of what's trending into 2022, uh, kind of how things are evolving. But uh, nonetheless, both of you, welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jake. So, Matt, start you real quick because uh, you you're you're down in Daytona. Uh, you got a lot going on, a uh, lot of races across the country. Um, how'd you get into NASCAR in itself? And did you, you know, from a pro sports perspective, um, did you ever think that that was kind of a viable career track at first? Yeah, great, great question. So I've, I've been in the sport of NASCAR and, and working for the France family for going on 11 years now. I started my career uh, in the NBA with the Phoenix Suns. So uh, excited to be on with Chris. I'm a big NBA fan, love what they're doing and admire the property. So excited to hear from his perspective as well. But I didn't grow up a racing fan, but really through my experiences in, in college and at Ohio University, really fell in love with the sports business and probably consider myself a, a sports business nerd more than anything. Um, I had the opportunity to jump from the Phoenix Suns to, to NASCAR and kind of did it, you know, instead of dipping my toe and just went went head in and, and wanted to really learn a new sport. Uh, I think NASCAR had a reputation for being very partner centric. Um, one of the, the, the biggest brands when it comes to sports partnerships and fan avidity and our, just the way our, our fans are, are truly avid and support sponsorship in a kind of unparalleled ways. And so I was excited to, to learn that and, and my 10, almost 11 years with the company have continuously been challenged in, in new and unique ways and taken on new tasks and being able to grow my career. And that's really what's, what's kept me here. So I think that's a, probably a testament to, you know, finding um, companies that, that you can surround yourself with great people that you can continue to have challenging product projects to work on and grow and learn from um, and, and have a lot of fun while you're doing it. So uh, all, all things that were important to me and, and have been important to me in my career. Chris, what about you on your end? basketball where'd you get yeah. started yeah first just thanks jake and and kareen for having us on the show um really happy to be here and and learn a little bit more about what matt's doing on the nascar side as well um from my side uh my journey sort of on the in the sports world started as a player um albeit not uh an exceptional one or or one of <laughs> of any uh sort of note but uh, I was a walk-on player at uh, at Stanford, um, and then, um, you know, I worked for a few years in 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 finance uh, using my, my econ degree uh, coming out of school, um, but realized during those first few years that I really just missed uh, missed sports, missed basketball tremendously, and and uh, found my way back into the sports world, uh, joining the NBA. Um, in at the beginning of 2013. So I was actually counting the other day. This is now my 10th season, uh, not full seasons, but my 10th season now uh, with the league that's just kicked off. Um, and, and, and my role has obviously evolved over that period of time, but it's been really cool to be, uh, be around the game at such an exciting point. Uh, our, our, 
uh, our game is is uh, growing as fast as it ever it ever has. Uh, and then my work in particular is on the international side, where we've seen uh, a, a really uh, high level of growth as well. So that that's all been really excited, exciting, and um, excited to to speak a little bit more about it here. Kareen, I, I think it's really fascinating that both Matt and Chris, like you don't see too many people in organizations now that have been there for 10 plus years, right? Like not, I'm a, I'm not calling you old cause you're not old, but I'm just saying <laughs> in general, like just to, to, to keep growing right within an organization and be, you know, both of you are very career minded in that sense and want to grow and want more opportunity, but the ability to actually have it and grow within one vertical um, in that sense, uh, Kareen, I mean, I know you you mentor many of student athletes right now and, um, you know, the, the advice or, or, or even just probably the perspective that they have is like, I'm not going somewhere for 10 years. Like, really? Come on. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to deal with the uh, fear of being innovative to be in a space for a long period of time. You have to be innovative. And I want that's kind of leading to the question that I had for both Chris and Matt, um, because this conversation, I, I think it's important to kind of address the trending what's trending in professional sports. And we see the growth of international basketball as one of those trends. You know, it's one thing when um, Jeremy Lin, right, like that was for a lot of people in, in basketball basketball like that was the start of global basketball and it really was back when Yao Ming was in the game too so speaking to the global push for basketball right now how do you see that kind of playing into why you've been able to stay in this space for so long I think it keeps things really interesting as you mentioned Corinne that there's always something new and there's always something there, there are new trends to follow and so um as for me, obviously basketball is an area of passion. So that helps um, keep me engaged and motivated in what I'm doing. Um, but also the fact that the type of work I'm doing needs to evolve and we need to continue to adapt. adapt. Um, you know, I think it, it, for somebody who's passionate about it, continuing to learn and grow, um, I, I'm sure not every situation would lend itself to being there for um, you know, a full decade. Um, but, but I happen to have stumbled into one and I'm, I'm very, I think, you know, lucky to say I have, um, where, you know, I've, I've been here for, for a while, but I'm not, um, I don't find myself, uh, getting bored at any point. And I find myself, um, remaining curious. I'm still learning. I'm still growing in my role. Um, and, and the environment around us, the landscape around us of, of the game of basketball and, and global basketball in particular um, just continues to evolve. So there's always, there's always stuff to catch up on and, and, and stay up to date on. And so, um, that, that, that part has kept me, kept me engaged. And, and, um, you know, I know my, my work is, is, is really connected to the game itself and, and, um, you know, be, being connected to especially youth development. Um, but I'm very curious to hear, cause I know, the business side of sports has evolved arguably as much as this as sports have themselves. I'm really curious to hear from Matt, who's probably much more uh, uh, locked in in terms of, of sort of the business of sports, um, you know, on the partnership side, how, how those things have evolved over, over his time. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing Chris and I have in common is we, we were both walk on student athletes in college. And one thing I will say is like, you, you uh, don't, don't bet against the underdogs. 
right? Like I think one thing you yes, learn sir. being a student athlete and being a walk-on is you got to be gritty. You got to be tough. Um, you also have to be patient. Um, and I think those things are, are things I, I'm sure Chris and I have both rolled into our careers as well. And one of the reasons that I feel like I staying in a career for a long time or in, in a organization for a long time, um, it is probably more rare now than, than ever. Uh, but it's also uh, arguably tougher to do because it does take uh, an amount of um, amount of patience, amount of willingness to take internal risks and put yourself out there to take on new projects that you may not be comfortable with or move into areas of the business that you think, hey, I, I don't know that this is for me, but I've got a boss that's asking me to move over here and take on this project. So I'm going to I'm going to trust the people that I'm around, that they're smart. They have my best interests at, at heart and that I'm going to be uncomfortable, but I'm really going to learn from this experience and it's going to allow me to grow um, within this organization. So those are things that I think are important for people to keep in mind as they um, grow their careers in, in different areas. And I, I love uh, Chris's perspective on international. It's, it's an area that NASCAR is really building as well. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is that while NASCAR is most famous for our, our you know, cup series racing in, in the U.S., but we also race in Mexico, we race in Canada, we have a strong series in Europe. Um, I think some of our international presence has been, you know, probably more marketing than really commercially driven. And I think there's a really significant shift in, in how we're looking at international. Chad Siegler is our head of international development, has a really strong business background and is exploring new markets for us to go racing in that we can look at building a more commercially viable um, successful property. And, and those are really exciting things from a development standpoint. So um, yeah, really, really good question. Matt, just from the commercial standpoint on the partnership side, uh, as Chris kind of alluded to, like as soon as you start to go global and as soon as you start to grab that global audience, then all of a sudden you also open yourself up to different types of brands from different parts of, of the world. Um, where do you see that opportunity going? Yeah, Jake, great question. On the partnership side, we see a, a little bit of like transferable properties, right? So when we go into a new market, let's just use Mexico series as, as an example, we see that there are brands that are US-based, either current brands or brands that we're working to, to bring into the sport that are really interested in that because they have specific Hispanic marketing initiatives or um, youth marketing initiatives, international marketing initiatives that they would say, do you want, I, I think we do want to come into the sport um, come into NASCAR and reach NASCAR fans in the U.S., but we also want to include rights in, in Mexico as a part of that because it aligns with our strategic opportunities. Uh, on the flip side of that, we also see Mexican-based companies that are looking at us and saying, hey, we, we've kind of dipped our toe in through the Mexico series, but boy, we really want to grow our presence in the United States. How can we kind of tap into what we're already doing and expand that uh, through a, a property in the U.S. So I, I think we see from a, a business and commercial standpoint, opportunities to um, kind of take partners you know, internationally and bring international partners into the U.S. And I think that's where the real sweet spot is. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one where, you know, there's so many companies too that are going global, right? Like it's not just Chris and Matt in terms of the leagues trying to go global, like everybody's for the most part, trying to go global, you're still going to have your local, your regional, your national companies, but there's this growth mindset uh, around like, how can I attract the different audiences? And, and so on, Matt, you're probably having those discussions with brands on, on a daily basis. 
For sure. And one thing I'll add, you know, I think, Corrine, you asked the question about innovation, and I'd be really curious to hear Chris's perspective as well. But we see international markets as a really um, a key place where we can test innovation, right, especially on the competition side. When we look at how we go racing, you know, how we evolve, um, you know, shortening races, uh, how do we evolve our product, how we deliver the car, how it, you know, we, we test over the top. Um, all of those things are things that we can try in international markets, uh, test, get a lot of data from, prove out some theories we may have before we roll them into, you know, some of our, our, our bigger, more um, commercial uh, properties in the U.S. So I think that's an exciting, you know, innovation ground. Um, also gives us kind of a, you know, a backup in the partnership space where we may have an official tire in the U.S. and a different official tire in, in Mexico. So it, it builds a little bit of bench strength when we look at those partnerships that are really core at what we do. Um, so we, 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 have, um, we have diversity in our, in our partnership landscape. Chris, what is the what is the innovation and the, and kind of the global expansion for basketball look like in the sense that uh, culturally, right, the sports probably accepted differently in different places and it's seen different. Like the race in Mexico for Matt is probably seen differently than it is in Sonoma, right, or in Richmond, right. So, like, how how is how are you seeing that side of things uh, grow and what perspectives are you gaining? Yeah, I think with basketball, um, you know, we we have, you know, a sport that's been developed over the last, you know, 20, no, sorry, 30, probably 40 years now with um, international players sort of exporting the game. Um, you know, we could, you could argue it, it really took off with the dream team in 1992 um, in, in Barcelona, with the Barcelona Olympics that sort of introduced a lot of the world uh, to the sport. And since then you've had players, um, you know, Kareem mentioned Yao Ming, you've had Dirk Nowitzki, you've had all these, these stars that have come over um, from around the world as the game has developed in these markets, but not every uh, market and not every region of the world um, has the same level um, of infrastructure. And, and I use that term pretty broadly because that could mean um, literally not having basketball courts, or that could mean um, not having necessarily the level of coaching um, and sort of basketball software, as, as we sometimes call it, um, to develop, um, you know, elite players. And, and um, in, many, in many places, there may not even be competition. So they may have gyms and they may have um, outdoor courts, but they may not have any sort of league um, and without that aspirational um, you know, uh, uh, carrot, you know, young, younger players may, may not pick up the sport because it's just not, uh, there, there, there's not an opportunity associated with it. Um, so for us, I think the big uh, opportunity that we see and the trend that we see globally um, and, and something we're trying to be as proactive as we can uh, as a league about is sort of building a pathway that's comprehensive for a young player, no matter where you're from in the world, to have a chance to reach the league. Um, and that means that that infrastructure and that pathway needs to be, um, needs to be full. And, and you, need to, you can't have a missing component in that puzzle, whether that's the, the hardware and the infrastructure, whether that's the software, whether that's the competition, all those different pieces come together. And, and we take it for granted sometimes um, 
you know, here in the United States that, um, you know, there are gyms to play at. There are other kids who want to play. There are coaches who are ready to coach. There are referees who are going to referee your games. Um, and we have this natural sort of pyramid process where you go from bouncing a ball as a little kid at the YMCA or at the park um, all the way up through, um, you know, your school competitions, your club basketball competitions, all the way up to a college system and then ultimately pro. Um, that doesn't exist everywhere. Um, in fact, it doesn't exist in most places. And so for us trying to be proactive in building that, um, we realize that our players are our strength. And if we can provide a foundation globally for more players uh, to come over or to, to make it to that level and ultimately come over to the NBA, that's going to strengthen, um, strengthen everything about our league in terms of what the on-court sort of product look, looks like, um, but also then our business. Um, you know, we saw what Yao Ming did for, for the NBA's business in China and the sport of basketball in China. Um, you can see that, that sort of model uh, replicating in other places. And, um, you know, I'll just call out one example, but, um, you know, in Africa right now, we're, 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 uh, we just launched uh, the Basketball Africa League last year. Um, there, there wasn't a true sort of Pan-African competition, professional competition before that. Um, and that is a, you know, a, a remarkable amount of untapped potential there um, with, with the amount of talent uh, on the African continent, um, going all the way back to Hakeem Olajuwon and Bekeme Matumbo, who had none of this infrastructure. We can only sort of start to imagine with, with this um, sort of infrastructure, just how exciting um, you know, those, those possibilities can be. With what both of you all are working on, collaboration is a big part of that. And this conversation, power of pro sports, and part of what I love about pro sports assembly is the ability to bring together cross industry folks. You know, we have folks from the from NASCAR having a conversation with folks from NBA. How do you see that growing or um, impacting the industry as a whole as more um, industry or more sports are, are collaborating across um, the industry? I'll, I'll speak to my experience just real quickly. I, I think that if there was uh, any silver lining from you know the global pandemic was that it really put people um, in, in vulnerable situations where, where I think we all as an industry felt much more comfortable talking in circles and saying, all right, hey, like we're all facing this together and the industry is stronger when there's some some amount of alignment and collaboration. Um, so I, it was really refreshing throughout the pandemic to see leagues uh, very at, at the top levels, really discussing uh, approaches to how, how do we get back to competition safely. Um, NASCAR was one of the first sports back to competition. And I know our President Steve Phelps was, you know, conferring with all of the different leagues to talk about our approach and our timing and how we were going to to do that, so that we could learn and share what what we learned. Do this, but don't do that. Make sure you have these three checks in place. Um, and we learned a lot from organizations like the NBA or the MLS that created incredible bubbles for all right. How can we take and learn from what what they're doing to roll that into continuing to, to make our, our sport safer as we navigate the pandemic. Uh, so that, that's probably at the most like broad level, but even down to the, you know, uh, throughout all the levels of our organization, the number of Zoom calls or Zoom happy hours I was on with just industry colleagues and friends um, that 
one, we were all creating a little bit more space to do that. Two, I think we all wanted to learn from others' experiences. And three, you know, there's just like the true human element of wanting to check in with your friends and colleagues and see how people were doing. All of those things were, were really refreshing, um, you know, silver linings of what was a really challenging time. And I think it's something that will allow us all to come out of the, the global pandemic in a stronger, more collaborative place um, because it, it is a special industry. It's smaller than we all probably think it is at times. Um, and we are all better when we, we're, we're strength as an industry as a whole. And live sports and entertainment are strong. It's, it's good for everybody. So uh, those were my kind of personal perspectives, uh, if that helps. And I'll maybe kick it to Chris to, to add to that. For sure. No, that's spot on, Matt. And I think you're right. The, the last year and a half, you know, almost two years now has, has um, opened us up to even more collaboration. And, and the fact that we're all familiar now with all these different platforms to um, connect globally, uh, you know, so easily and so conveniently only makes that, uh, makes that easier. I think, you know, on my side, working in particular on the youth basketball side, um, you know, in youth sport, um, they're, well, you talk to some parents, maybe this isn't the case, but it's, it's maybe a little bit less cutthroat than some of the other areas. But, you know, that when we uh, developed a lot of our international programs, I'll use the NBA Academy uh, as an example, which is a program um, that I helped start about five years ago. Um, when we started that program, we, we actually uh, met with Major League Baseball, we met with uh, European soccer clubs um, and, and really dug in on what their models look like um, and, and really tried to pull together as many best practices as we could. Um, and, and, you know, those, those organizations and all those stakeholders, I think understanding just the value of doing youth sport the right way. Um, we're you know more than happy to share and open their doors, and, and we've tried to now you know give back as well, and as we continue those relationships um, with different sports and and, and different sports uh, uh, organizations, um, I think that that information sharing and, and that um, best practice sharing it only helps all of us, right? It grows the entire pie of the industry if, if we can uh, do things the right way uh, across all these different. Um, these different areas. And I would mention also, I mean, I think um, just because I, I got this experience through Pro Sport Assembly, but I think a lot of the uh, work that's been done on the social justice side has brought us together as well. Um, and I was fortunate enough to participate in, uh, in Corinne's program, the, the um, Certificate of Inclusive Leadership through Pro Sports Assembly and RISE, um, which included sports industry leaders from all over, uh, from different sports. And so um, us putting our heads together and hearing about, um, you know, our experiences in, in our various fields, I think was really, uh, really valuable to, to not keep it. Um, you know, we've done our own NBA centric trainings and, and our own sports centric things, but I think opening that up and hearing uh, a broader range of perspectives has been really valuable to us. Chris, when, when the ecosystem of sports rises together, I think it helps everybody, right? And, and like, you know, Matt and I are in, are in positions where like we're trying to constantly separate ourselves from the rest, like, you know, cr like within the industry because you're trying to get, you know, the different companies on board and, and partners and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like if the power of the platform of sports is growing and continuing to rise, like 
to Kareen's point, hopefully you're being innovative, right? And being able to do those things that allow you to um, partner with the right people. So regardless of whether it's on the youth side that's exploding or, or even on the partner side with Matt and, and whatnot, uh, I think just, again, making yourself available to help others is, is such a key um, thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to rapid fire uh, as we wrap up the episode. So hopefully you're ready. Um, but my first question, and then we'll get to Kareen. Uh, Matt, Chris, if you could walk on in a different sport than you did, what would it be? But my, my answer is easy. We got the NBA guy on the line, basketball for sure. I, I love basketball. I still have a 6 a.m. group that we, we play twice a week uh, here in Daytona. So I, I love the game. I'm a big fan. Love that. Love that answer. Um, for me, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say tennis because I've, I've picked it up as a pandemic uh, hobby now. Um, I'm not not very good at tennis either, but uh, if I could have could have walked on and gotten better at tennis at a younger age, I would have would have definitely enjoyed that. Scuba dive or skydive? I've done both. Uh, like both. I think uh, immediate thrill, like let's go skydiving. Chris had the face I, of like, is there another option? <laughs> I was gonna say I've done neither. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, with scuba diving just because I do. I, I enjoy wildlife, and so getting down and seeing um, some of the wonders of the ocean at least would keep me distracted from uh, the imminent danger. Chris, be careful, <laughs> man. I live in the shark bite capital of the world, so just be careful down there. All right. So not not going to Daytona. Not, <laughs> No, yeah, no, don't come to New Smyrna Beach to go scuba diving. All right. <laughs> all right. Both of you were talking about international. What's the best country you've been to? Outside the States, of course. I'm biased. I lived, I lived uh, a, a fair amount of time in France uh, when I was younger. So I'm just going to, I have to, and my brother lives there now and I get to go visit him. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say France just, just out of pure bias. My wife and I, we, we honeymooned in Indonesia, um, loved the culture, long trip, but beautiful, beautiful place, awesome culture, just like really, you know, peaceful people. Um, so we had a great time. Work from home or go to the office? You can tell from my background, I'm an office guy. <laughs> I, I, lo I love the collaboration and, and, you know, the osmosis and energy of, of being in the office. But I, I, I do think that having the work from home option has been really refreshing. Um, and I think it, it's helped um, us all to build better work life synergies, which I think are really important and, and I'm passionate about. Um, and, and I think when it can provide that to, to people and give people flexibility, that, that's a really, uh, really important thing. So I, I love the video call and, you know, all of those things that have evolved us as a, as a business to be a little more um you know, personal centric, uh, in our, our day to day. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll agree on with Matt in terms of, uh, the face-to-face -face connection, even though I'm based remotely. And so I do end up having to do quite a bit of a video conference. Um, I far prefer the face-to-face -face. and so I'll go office with, with the caveat that I, if, if I can make the office, the basketball court, which we get to do quite a bit, um, in, you know, traveling around and, and, operating our different uh, camps and, and clinics and things like that, then that's, that, that, that's the ideal. I'll say the, uh, the court office is, is number one. Your office is the basketball court and that's the office I want. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs>
<laughs> That's great. All right, last one for you both. Um, Matt, you're in Florida, so best food there. Chris, I, I don't know. You, it seems like you're on the road a lot, so best <laughs> like fast food joint that you're going to. I mean, Florida Florida's known for its fish. So, I mean, you, you can buy a ton of great seafood in, uh, in the state of Florida. So if you're coming to Florida, I could, I'll, I'll point you to the best uh, seafood places. Mostly hole in the walls, too. The, the hole in the walls are the best. Yeah, and, and as, as you mentioned, Jake, I'm, I, I live out of a suitcase quite a bit, but, um, but I'm currently based in San Francisco, uh, which is where I grew up. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say if, if anybody needs any burrito, uh, recommendations. Uh, I think the burritos here in San Francisco, second to none, and uh, have become probably the uh, staple of my diet at this point. Uh, being back home for a little while, so I'll go. I'll go burritos here in San Francisco. So. Can't go wrong with the burrito. Cannot go wrong. Uh, Matt, Chris, really appreciate your time, uh, insights, perspectives on this Power Pro Sports series with Pro Sports Assembly on the Life in the Front Office podcast. Uh, welcome on anytime in the future. Thank you both. Corrine, Jake, thank you guys for having us. I had a blast and look forward to, to keeping in touch. Likewise. Yeah, this was great, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Yep.